Welcome to the Elevated Movement Podcast. My name is Jake Gagan, and I am so grateful that you are joining us here today. I hope that you enjoy this episode and that it can add value to your life in some way. If you do enjoy this episode, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and share this with your friends as it helps us tremendously and allows us to spread this message of positivity with as many people as possible. Without further ado, this is the Elevated Movement Podcast. Welcome back to the Elevated Movement Podcast, everybody. My name is Jake Gagan, and I'm thrilled to have my guest on the show today. She is a meditation and mindfulness teacher based out of Los Angeles, California. She has done years of extensive studies and training in meditation, mindfulness, Reiki, and Tantra. And she is doing her part to empower people to live their best lives and to ultimately make the world a better place. She has had a tremendous impact on my life and so many people that I know. So without further introduction, Laurasia Mattingly, thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me, Jake. It's so wonderful to be a part of this. Yeah, of course. And, you know, getting this show started, we're really look to look, looking to bring on people who are elevating their lives. And, you know, as soon as I started this show, you were one of the first people that came to mind. Oh, that's so sweet. Yes. I'm so honored and grateful to be a part of transforming my own life and others and to know that I've affected yours as well. You definitely have. You've had a, a major impact on my life, on Pierce Romero's life, who who introduced us. And I actually talked to my buddy, uh, Jimmy, earlier today, and he mentioned going to your class uh, when you were teaching at the Den and, and just had incredible things to say about you. Oh, so sweet. I actually, yes, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, he was, uh, he said he had a great meditation at, at one of your classes. But, you know, just from hopping offline and, and when we were talking the other day, just to, you know, kind of develop a talk track for this podcast, everything in your life right now is going incredible. And I know a lot of people listening to this right now, we're recording this on August 3rd in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, and it's been pretty rough for a lot of people, but not for you. I mean, we talked and you have some amazing things going for you. Yes, I feel really grateful. It's interesting. I mean, not to say that the pandemic has been easy breezy and beautiful, but in the beginning, I was like on the same boat as every person, you know, panicking, being like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? How am I going to make money? And, you know, I think it was like day two of the pandemic that I was like up until 4am and I was like, you know what, I'm going to turn this panic into innovation and build my own business because this is, these are the cards we've been dealt. And so from that panic, I created the Scent Society. Um, I've been teaching for several years, always for other people, and it was beautiful. It still is, but I figured, you know, what this is teaching me and a lot of people is that we can't be reliant on things outside of ourselves. In fact, one of the Buddhist teachings is that everything is impermanent, that we should be attached to nothing because all things come and go. And COVID came and so many people's jobs left, some people's lives left. And so that's when I realized, okay, it's time to build something for myself. And so I did. That's so beautiful. And and you're right. And I actually had a shift in mindset too. You know, when I think like most people, when, when COVID-19 came, you know, you're watching the news and there's so much, you know, just 
just crazy things going on and we're going into lockdown and we're listening to the mayors and things like that. And you just said something powerful, you know, things come and go and COVID-19 will eventually come and go. But the thing is, is, is we don't know when it's going to go. So it's like, we have to take this opportunity and work on ourselves and, and make the most of, of what we've got. So um, I know you started the SIT Society. Do you mind telling us a little bit more about what the SIT Society is? Yes, of course. So what it is, is a a membertation, (laughs) a meditation (laughs) membership. And so really what inspired the idea was so many um, brick and mortar studios, just physical studios had to turn virtual. And I was like, well, I should just do this for myself. And I'm one where I realized during this pandemic, I don't like being tied down to a time or place. And you know, so many people have like live classes that they host, which still ties me down to a time. Um, so I was like, what can I create where I have the freedom to create when I'm inspired? Um, and then I'll still have a live class because there is some beauty. I mean, so much beauty in the live aspect. And so I, I decided, okay, I'll create this platform where I upload all of the videos I've ever created, my online course also, which is called the Zen A course I lost a class uh, which was a bunch of recorded meditations and so what the society is is basically just a home for all of my instructional meditation videos and also a place where a live sit takes place each week and so I'll upload a new pre-recorded video every Monday and then every Sunday we have our live sit which is recorded but me being the bougie Buddhist <laughs> that I am I kind of wanted to copy uh soho house how they have their like member perks they have like all these random perks and it's one of my favorite things about it so i was like i want to create member perks for my members so that they get cool special discounts that other people don't and so it was kind of bringing all my worlds together a few cool brands that i work with um i reached out to all of their you know ceos and owners of the company and now there's a little page on my member on my membership site that has discounts for brands that i work with specifically. So that's another added bonus as well. That's amazing. So they can come in, they can sit with you, you have live recordings, and then they also get a bunch of bougie member perks because who doesn't like bougie things? Exactly, (laughs) right? The luxury and and the mindset. (laughs) that's That's amazing. And I think, you know, the thing that really stands out, it's like we're all trying to navigate this internet thing. You know, it's relatively new. And all the different Mm -hmm. platforms like Instagram and TikTok and YouTube and creating an online business. So I, I mean, I, I applaud you for creating an online business because like we're, we're trying to navigate through this. And I really think it's something that really frees up your time. And not only can you help people by doing, you know, hosting your meditation classes on here, but it's like, it now frees you up. So you don't have to go to a physical brick and mortar every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 8 p.m. It's like they can still sit with Laurasia and get that amazing meditation class, but you now have more time to do your things that you enjoy exactly. doing most. And you know what really inspired me? And it, it, for me, also took this, this like, yeah, it took this pandemic for me to actually make moves because really I wanted to do this October of last, or November, whenever I was in Bali last year and I met yeah. literally so many people in different industries that call themselves digital nomads. Like, it's amazing. I would go to these cafes and everybody's working from around the world. And I was like, I wanna do that. And so many people that I met said, well, Larisa, you're in the industry to do that. Why aren't you? 
And that like really stuck with me, but I never took action. And so it really, this whole COVID-19 thing really forced me to do it. I was like, okay, well, this is the time. And so now I don't see my life going back to teaching live unless it's, you know, something really special that I fully believe in. Like no more driving across LA twice a day, exactly for my three classes that I teach a day all over LA, you know? So it oh. exactly, it frees up my, my schedule to travel and get inspired and still create and inspire people. Exactly. Like no more sitting in LA traffic. And I really think the most beautiful thing with the internet, like this podcast, like we're doing today is that you can reach anybody in the world. So you're not only held oh, to yeah. California Pacific time. It's like your meditations can be listened to in Australia, in India, in Bali, you know, so it, it really allows you to just reach that many more people. So I really do applaud you for, you know, starting this website during the midst of a pandemic and really turning crisis into an opportunity. And I think that's so amazing. And for anyone that's listening, if you want to uh, check out the SIT Society, I've sat in a meditation class with Araja. She's an incredible meditation coach. We'll put a link in this uh, in this episode on the podcast, and I'll also post it on my Instagram page. And I highly recommend you checking out the SIT Society. Thank you. Yeah, it's crazy. It really did hit me that I reach all corners of the world. In the beginning of the this yeah, this pandemic, I was doing a private with my friend who's originally from Italy, but was in Bali and her cousin joined us in Italy. And so we had we had to pick a time that was like appropriate for Los Angeles, Bali and Italy. And I'm like, this is crazy. We're all meditating together from different parts of the world. And that's what I love. That's so beautiful. And now with this, with the SIT Society and your website and page, it's like you can do it literally in all 24 hour time zones at any given time. So I think that this is going to be something super, super special for you. And I know that this is not the only great thing that's happened during the pandemic. Yeah. Do you mind telling <laughs> telling me and the audience a little bit about the Spotify deal and, and even your book oh deal that you gosh. just got? Oh my gosh, yes. Okay, so I'll do it in order of the way that these things landed in my lap. So sure. Sure. I want to say maybe this is week two or three of quarantine. And I get off a phone call with one of my college friends I haven't spoken to long. And actually is a ghostwriter. She'll write for authors, for newspapers, books, magazines, all these things. And she said, Larage, you know, have you ever thought about writing a book? And I was like, no. Anyways, I have a call at, or what did I say? Yeah, I had a call at three o'clock. So I was like, we'll chat about it later. Goodbye. I hung up the phone at three o'clock. Three o'clock on the dot, I get an email saying meditation book opportunity. So not from her, completely different. Put it out into the no universe. No way. Yeah. Got a, an email at three o'clock and it was from this publishing company saying that they were looking for an approachable yet wise author and I had to send in a writing sample and I got the deal. And so the book will be out December 22nd. Can't tell you what it's called yet. You'll have to find out. Um, but I was just speaking to my friend who actually just released her book all about numerology. And she's like, babe, do you know that 22 is the most powerful number in numerology? And that's the day that my my book is coming out so i'm like this is going to be great <laughs> and so then amazing. spotify yeah so then this also happened during the, the pandemic i was teaching live for a wonderful massage boutique massage boutique massage um studio called the now the now massage it's only in california but it's amazing and i was doing lives for them weekly and i get an email after 
from this music producer saying, oh my gosh, like you have a gift. I'm a music producer I've, and all of these things. And he's like, we need to get you on Spotify. We just need to make you an album. And I'm like, okay, sure enough. I go to his studio. He's like all these platinum records or whatever. I don't know the terminology, all these records like all over his wall and he's legit. And so a month in, he's like, just come over to my studio. We'll record and we'll have your album out. So that comes out Friday. And so it's going to be not only on Spotify, but Apple Music, all of the things. And it's so funny because the style, I mean, I'm all about minimal effort and I don't prepare before my classes. I do not prepare, <laughs> but I didn't prepare before I recorded this thing. And so the way I just, my teaching style, I just like sit, usually read a poem or something, get inspired and then just like kind of riff. And so sure enough, I'm driving to the studio and he's like, okay, like, are you prepared to record 10 tracks? And I'm like, oh, shit. So I wrote down a list of like 10 things. I get the plan and we just do it in two hours and it's the best thing I've ever He um, had different composers create custom music for me. And so over the pandemic, he was sending me like, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? And so I hand selected custom music made for me did my meditations and so here we are it's coming out Friday it's called come home to yourself because I always say that in my class it's like one of my taglines where meditation for me is a coming home to myself and typically as humans you know we don't want to come home to ourselves especially when we're experiencing anxiety or depression or going through a breakup or any sort of difficulty at all and that's truly what meditation told taught me was to come home to whatever's there, to not self-abandon, to love myself through it all. So I'm really excited to have that out and excited for you to hear it. Yeah, I can't wait. I can speak personally. It's like, I'm so excited to have the ability to, to listen to your Spotify deal. And you said it's coming out on Friday and we're recording this on August 3rd, guys. So if you are listening to this at a later date, the, al the album from Larasia is going to be out August 7th. So if you're listening to this yes. after August 7th, feel free to go on Apple, go on Spotify and give it a listen. And, you know, just the fact that you were able to, you know, sit down and not have anything recorded, not have anything really written down, but to do 10 episodes and 10 uh, different meditation sessions is, is something powerful. And that really speaks to your ability and your calling to be a meditation teacher. Yes, thank you. It's so funny. I was just talking with my friend who's another very, very powerful manifester. And it's like, the moment that we stop trying to control, or at least I speak for myself, the moment I've stopped trying to control my future, that more things flow to me effortlessly. It's like a nonstop good news, opportunities, things come to me. And it wasn't always like that. Um, what I've learned so far, even just during this, this pandemic, was anything that doesn't feel like a hell yes in my gut you know, my thinking mind will try to talk me out of it. It's logical. It makes you money. You should stick with it. But I've just been proven time and time again that if something doesn't feel fully right, let it go to make space for things that do. And it's it's crazy how fast things manifest the moment that you do let go of, of what isn't working. And so, yeah, it's just been such this effortless unfolding now that I'm fully trusting it in the universe as silly as it sounds but it's true and knowing that i found my calling and i was just talking with my friend the other day we go on these nature walks that has been planned 
I'm so lucky I found my life calling. I know what it is. I planted the seed. Now it's it's not a matter of if, and it's just about a matter of when. Watching that seed grow into this giant oak tree, and you know you can't overwater the tree; it's gonna die. But you can't like not water it. So slowly but surely, just trusting that you know it's gonna rain when it rains. There's gonna be sun when there's sun. The tree will grow, and so that's how I feel right now about my career. <laughs> That's that's so beautifully said, and and I mean it's obvious that your tree is growing, you know, with the the Spotify deal and the Sit Society doing as well as it's doing, and then you know the book deal that you literally did not think about, didn't put any effort in, and you got <laughs> exactly. a call from a friend, and then as soon as you hang up, you get an email from a different person. So I think it's like, because I've experienced this in my own life as well. It's like when you really try to get something and you're putting all your effort in. You wanted it so bad, you're almost like forcing it and you're kind of pushing it away. But when you exactly. start trusting, like you said that you're doing, when you start trusting and just believing that things are going to flow to you and that great things are going to happen, like that's when the results and that's when things really do start coming into your life. Exactly. I had one student tell me, we were just talking about dating, but it applies to life. She goes, everything we want is downstream. You know, we spend so much of our time trying to swim upstream. It's, it's downstream. We just have to let go and trust. So that's where I'm at. That's beautiful. And, you know, it, it does show that these things are happening. But to take it back a step further, I mean, what really has been your mindset, you know, during COVID, whether at the beginning or now? I mean, how have you kind of navigated through these tough times that we're all going through? Well, not to freak out all of your listeners, <laughs> but um, yeah, some of my most spiritually woke friends it goes so much deeper than what we're seeing on the surface. We all know that. Yeah. I mean, not even to freak anyone out, but it's like aliens are real. Sex trafficking is real. This is all. It's all real. So, so, so much deeper than what, what the masses are seeing. So just not being afraid and adapting in the appropriate way. I mean, I think there's a reason my father, he's 84, literally sleeps with a breathing machine. He, in the beginning of this whole thing, I was freaked out. I was like, I didn't even see him. I'm like, you better be washing your hands. You have to take all this stuff. He's still going to work, wearing his mask when he remembered. He doesn't have the best memory. He has been fine. And I think the reason is, I was talking to him about this the other day. He's like, I'm not afraid. You know, and it's like, truly fear does weaken the immune system. My mom passed away when I was younger. She was the most anxious person ever, always trying to control my life, so concerned with what I was doing. And, you know, it's like, worry is the silent killer my mom ate organic did tai chi but she was constantly worried where my father eats cup of noodles cheetos drinks beer doesn't drink water i don't like i barely drink water so i don't know either but he does not drink water and he's still playing golf killing it so they just always are my clear teachers in that really your mindset does change the way that your body is like i was watching i think was it that Zac Efron uh, down to earth? And they talked yep. about that, that scientist. And when you like talk to water with kindness, how the molecules change, you know? And then when you say hateful things to water, it like looks bleh, all weird and messed up. And it's, I feel that that's what he's doing to his body. We are 60% water. I feel like that's what I'm doing to my body. Just kind of emulating this, this kind, loving, trusting energy and my body's been healthy and so has his so i mean gratitude has transformed my life being kind meditating and so i think that that 
is why he has been healthy and knock on wood, nothing has happened to him. He's not afraid. He doesn't live in fear. Ever since I was a child, he would always say, you know, Larasia, you should wake up grateful every day that you have your eyes that can see and feet that walk, that you have no medical issues or disabilities. And I never used to think about that, but he's had that that attitude forever. And so I think that that's what's gotten him this far. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, fear really is the number one cause of death. And it's like, it, I would say, you know, for the, the people that are listening and, the, and, you know, normal society, it's like we're getting so many different pieces of toxic information from the news and from the governor. And there's so many headlines about how many cases of COVID and now it's spreading all over and the shutdown. So it's like, I feel like the, the, the people in charge are trying to instill this fear in people. But ultimately, as your, as your dad's shown, as you've shown, as my mom and, and my family have shown, it's like, we are the only one that gets to accept these beliefs because we're the ones exactly. that are in charge of our mindset. So it's like, it all does exactly. come down to your mindset and, you know, your perception. And I think, you know, we are getting a bunch of different informations and, and news headlines, like, like I mentioned, but at the end of the day, it's like, we can choose to believe what we want to believe. Exactly. And to add to that, um, one of my mindfulness teachers at UCLA, she used to also, so I studied journalism in college, like broadcast journalism. My path was, to be a news reporter and thank god because <laughs> i worked the presidential debate my sophomore year and i'm thinking about this now you know there was a room called the spin room where the different political parties interview the opposing political party and literally spin what they say aka twist it and there's it's been going wow. on for years this is a known fact and you know it just went over my head when i was in college i was like yeah you know we twist the news it's chill this is my job and you know, it's so interesting because, yeah, my teacher at UCLA, she she had a career in journalism, too. Her mission, as well as mine, when I first began, was to report the truth, realizing that that is impossible. How can we report the truth when we can't even agree on what the truth is? And so my teacher was like, I'll be like the Dalai Lama, because this is how the Dalai Lama handles the news. He says, I don't watch the news. If I need to know something, I will find out. And I've been doing the same thing, you know, and my acupuncturist. He is so wise too. He says, you know, the way that Western, I mean, because I also studied medical, medical sociology in college um, and just Eastern versus Western, like, yes, if I am in a car accident and I need to get my arm amputated, hell yeah, Western doctors all the way. We're not going to do acupuncture for that. But just the way that they look at the human body and assess health, there was this beautiful example about these dead bodies floating down a river, Western Western medical care, they, they pick up and try to revive the bodies out of the water. Yes, yes, yes. The Eastern medicine looks at, well, what's pushing these bodies in in the first place? And so that's what I love. Um, he was saying that my acupuncturist, the way that, you know, our government and Western, just Western society, they want to keep us not fully healthy, but not dead. Yeah. So a little bit sick, buying their drugs, but there's not much research on eating all the chemicals. So that we're in fear and they can control us. And I fully believe that. I mean, there's more evidence, like hard science of aliens existence than half of the drugs that are prescribed today. So it's like, <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy That's out there. And for so long, it's a scary fact. I mean, I was watching this documentary called Unacknowledged and how, you know, even the government, it's so much deeper than that. The president really doesn't have any control. It's, there's like, all of these crazier powers beyond that we barely 
I mean, most people don't even know about that have been hiding the whole aliens for years. Hitler knew about the aliens. Like there's this documentary that said we've we've had the power to have free electricity, free energy. We could power cars fully off of water for over 100 years. But because of, you know, big pharma and all of that stuff, people want to get paid. And so even though there's the resources for to end hunger and to have free energy, we're just not. And that's what's sad, but it's like, we can't, again, you know, ruminate in what could be, these are the times we're in, unfortunately. And so it's like, how do we navigate now with that information, but also given the reality. And so that's why meditation I found has been so powerful and just keeping us sane. Definitely. And meditation is a, a beautiful tool, but you're right. I mean, and I can really only speak for the United States where we live. And we do have all the resources to help not only all the people in inner city LA and Chicago and all of our people, but also all the people in Africa that don't have clean in the water, world. you know, in the world, like we could in help the world. The world but yeah. instead, it's like, you know, we're so worried about collecting, you know, this paper money that we created just so we can have another jet and another yacht. And it's, it's almost like, it's like, I talk with friends about this. I'm like, it's, it's like a backward society. Almost everything that we do is backwards, you know? And I think that a lot of people like yourself and other people that I talk to are waking up to it and being like, Hey, this is not right. You know, like there shouldn't be a McDonald's and Chick-fil-A on every corner because that's what's causing this obesity. And like the exactly. reason, the reason that America is getting so sick is because like, there's so many people that are obese and on that, that have diabetes and that are hooked to these prescription pills and that don't have healthy lifestyles. And it's like, we almost need to just like, you know, restart and exactly. you know, start implementing, implementing these, these healthy habits that, you know, you and a lot of our friends have. And I think meditation is a great starting point for that. Yes. You know, I was listening to Lewis Howe's podcast and he had Michael Beckwith on and he's a wise teacher and um, definitely he said, you know, it's no coincidence that this happened in 2020, the symbol of perfect vision, you know, the veil is being lifted. People are beginning to see, Clearly, people are waking up and it's what's happening. I mean, I remember I was watching this documentary on billionaires and it said, like, if you equate millionaires and billionaires to seconds, people don't realize how different it is. For a second, a millionaire is 11 days. If you were equate it in seconds, a billionaire seconds is 32 years. Wow. That's insane. That's insane. That's insane. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. It's like, you don't you really don't need all those years and you really don't need all those zeros after, uh, you know, a million. It's like a lot of people could have a million and be fine, but it's like, it's, it's almost what comes with this like capitalist society that we have. It's like, there's no cap to it. And I don't fault anyone for like Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates for trying oh, to play the game and make all that money. It's like, that's what a lot of people are doing. But, you know, I think it does. It, it, it would help to have like those huge contributions, which I know a lot of them are doing to help people in Africa and, and to help like people in inner city, like we talk about um, and mm -hmm. supplying, you know, basic needs for, for people so that everyone can survive and that everyone can live a healthy life. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really bo just boils down to like, because initially, which I still agree, the reason that so many people are obese and sick is because the food that is affordable are the ones laced with all the chemicals. But it's like, you know, no one's promoting on the news to go outside and exercise. No one's promoting on the news the importance of sleep. No one's reporting on the news the importance of, you know, just meditating, having your sanity. They're just pushing 
the cheap, dangerous foods, the the drugs that have barely any research and have side effects. And, you know, not to say the medication is bad because it really, it did help me too, but, you know, there should also be the information out there, like these just going in nature, you know, how important that is. Go on a nature walk, be with the trees, put your feet in the sand, feel the water. Like that's some powerful medicine too. Yeah, that's been uh, one of my biggest bones to pick is like the only thing that you hear on the news right now is wear a mask, stay six feet apart and wash your hands, which I think everyone should be doing. You know, when I go to the grocery store, I'll put my mask on. But we're not talking about like, like you said, like going outside and getting sunlight and, you know, having like good conversations with friends and exercising and eating clean vegetables and fruit and, and all of these different things that actually strengthen your immune system rather than preventing. And I feel like everything's been like, just prevent, 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 instead of just like actually changing yourself and strengthening your immune system. So you don't have to worry about these different diseases. Like they say, one of the best things to help like get over COVID and heal COVID is vitamin D and vit- Americans specifically are the, the most efficient in vitamin D. And so now everyone's in fear, not going outside, getting that vitamin D. And it's like, I feel bad. I mean, I have a few friends that were like living in terror and didn't even go outside of their house. And it's like, you need the vitamin D. And it's like, that's the one known thing that really helps it. Yet people are depriving themselves of it. Like it doesn't make sense. So yeah, I did yeah. that for about a about three days, and I was like, I need to get outside. I need to exercise. I need I need vitamin D. So if you're listening to this podcast, do yourself a, flav- a favor. I'm not a doctor, but definitely get outside, get some exercise, have some good times, and uh, you know, eat some good food, and and hopefully things will uh open back soon for us. And I know that we can kind of go down that that COVID rabbit hole and and everything, uh, like that all day. But we'll kind of switch it now because yeah. where you're at today, I mean, you're doing such amazing work, right? Like I look up to you as a meditation coach. You actually uh, certified me in Reiki and I did. You're, doing all these, you're doing all these amazing things along, you know, those lines of, of progressing yourself and helping other people. But, you know, for you, and I know you share this at your meditation class, like you weren't always like this, right? Like back in no. college, the Laurasia oh, is yeah. a lot different than the Laurasia that we have today. I was a disaster. Um, I was... <laughs> In high school, I was so wound up. I remember I was like trying to print something for homework and I was like yelling at a printer, like about to have a panic attack at this inanimate object. And I was always still going to therapy with my mom and she suggested that I go to a psychiatrist and get prescribed anti-anxiety meds. And so I'm like, okay, sure. Because we also used to fight a lot, my mother and I. And it helped, it helped, but it helped because it numbed me. Like I remember taking it, I still was on it in college. And I remember like seeing a spatula in the sink, which would have normally like driven me off the walls. Like, oh, that spatula has been there for six days. Looking at it being like, yeah, it's chill. <laughs> and so the, the, I was on Lexapro and the Lexapro was helping. And I was like, okay, this is gonna be my life. And I was fine with that in that time. And then I go to college all of a sudden, you know, we're drinking a huge pot, literally anything about myself and in high school getting clear-headed I would do something to not be I would take more drugs I would smoke more weed in high school I was like going to raves taking ecstasy hitting the bong all the time doing anything I could to not be sober Um, I think I mean I know now it was to mask those feelings that I was afraid to feel my mother was at home dying of cancer and I didn't want to face that reality I mean I even remember this is so sad 
like being so high picking her up from chemo and I was late and I was just like, oh my God. Like I didn't even know what was going on. I still think about it to this day. I remember, cause she had to eat through a feeding tube for the last two years of her life, which is so, so sad. And I remember not being allowed to go to this party and I'm like, you're ruining my life. Like I was just so, I mean, any teenager though, and I talk about forgiveness a lot in my practice, but teenage girls are bitches. And I just remember like, it was rock bottom, man, like yelling at my mom who's about to die and going to college, still numbing my feelings. And so finally sophomore year, she did. She passed away. I got a call from my dad saying it's time to come home. They took her out of the um, ICU to be in hospice, which is AKA she's a week before we're going to like slowly let her die. Mm -hmm. And I remember my dad put her on the phone. She couldn't even make sense. She like couldn't even form a sentence. She's just so gone. And I came home and she waited for me to come home and my grandma flew in from Hawaii and then I was standing in the room and they put a mirror to her nose and air coming out and her soul literally left her body. I'm going to cry right now, but like to see a human soul leave their body is not something, I'm sorry, not something that like a 20 year old should have to witness, but that was such a pivotal moment in my life where I realized that things had to change. I didn't realize it in that moment, but things had to change. And so I came back to college, you know, still party girl, still in a sorority, still getting drunk, still fucking weed. But something that did shift in me was that there's something bigger here, that life is not just about what I thought it was, partying and all the things, but life is about being happy. And so that's kind of when I also kind of took a career shift as well. Um, I didn't end up getting, so I worked for CBS my sophomore year, got the internship, worked the presidential debate, and then I got a deal to work with, or get an intern, I got an internship with CBS for 48 hours, which was like my dream. It was my criminology plus my broadcast journalism. And then I got an email that I, that they were revoking it. And I was like, why? And they wouldn't really tell me. And then one of my teachers said, you know, it's because on your Facebook, there's lots of photos of you smoking weed. And I was like, oh, God. And so instead of like just accepting that rejection, I kind of like spiraled more out of control. And I was like, well, you know what? I'm going to finish this degree and I'm going to do my last two years. Like, so I did all these projects on Florida trying to legalize weed. This I did this documentary project on this guy that was making grills for the heat players. I was like, we're going to do news stories, but they're going to be rebellious and kind of just in this like fighting it mode. And finally, I think, I don't know when it hit me, but I found meditation because I realized, well, actually I didn't even realize I was still, I moved back to LA and I was actually working at a weed dispensary because when I graduated, I said, all I know is that I want to be happy. And in that mm. moment, what made me happy was weed. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, I'm going to work at this weed shop. And slowly but surely, I moved into this apartment. I still live there now. But I think within a week of moving here, the Den Meditation opened up. Within a week, like I, my one roommate, she saw an article in a magazine saying they were doing two weeks of free classes and that we should check it out. But one day I was just like, I'm going to go wander over there. I walk in my life has changed I meet my mentor I take literally I was like that annoying student that came every single day and like sat in front and she would and I it's funny too because where we live this is the den meditation there's also a bar called the den and I remember telling my roommate I was like I've been spending all day at the den I hope they hire me and she was like what the bar and I was like no 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 the meditation studio 
And so my teacher took me under her wing and she saw how committed I was. She would read a, a passage from a book and then the next day I would have finished the book and I'm like, hi, like, can we talk about this? Can we unload? So she let me silent retreat um, because of my dedication. She's like, you can assist me. All you have to do is ring the bell each morning. And so I did that and that was the beginning of an adventure. I dove deep, I did four different teacher trainings Actually, before that, even uh, before I found the den, I was lost. I was at a crossroads and I went to my friend Natalia's, who now has just blown up as this woman's empowerment coach, astrologist, all these things. And I was like, can you read my chart? Like, I don't even know what this means. Like, I'm lost. I work at a weed shop. I know this isn't my future. And she read my chart and all of my planets were in the seventh and 12th house. And so the seventh house is all about relationships and how humans relate to each other and to themselves. And then the 12th house is the house of like the teacher and learnings. And she was like, have you ever considered like maybe being a sex therapist or something? That sounds thought coming out of college that I'm a sexually empowered being and all, la la la. So I was like, okay, how can I make this happen without going to grad school? And I actually knew someone from my horseback riding days, who was a sex therapist. Her name is Nicoletta von Heidegger. And I, I messaged her on Facebook. I'm like, hey, Nicoletta, like, how can I get into your world without going to grad school? And she was like, it's funny, I'm actually at this conference right now. Uh, you should look up this woman named Salma Zadora. She's a Tantra teacher. I feel like that would be up your alley. I look her up, we're both Virgos. My one mutual friend on Facebook with her is the girl that did my reading, my astrology reading. I'm like, oh, wow. shut the front door. Another sign from the universe. So I ended up doing her teacher training and then I moved and then I, so all of these things were happening and a part, a large part of Tantra is meditation. And mm -hmm. so I was kind of like simultaneously doing the den and my teacher training, that teacher training. And then I kind of was led more down the Buddhist path. That really is what ended up resonating. But fast forward, that was 2016 when I started teaching. So here we are, 2020, four years. Yeah, it was a tumultuous path, but I'm happy I'm where I am. It, I think it was the Tantra training that really kind of slapped me in the face with reality. I remember Sam, my teacher, she didn't ever have small talk and talk about nothing. She only said things with purpose. And right when I got there, she said, you know, the reason that you were this hypersexual pot smoking person is because you were too afraid to ask for the attention you wanted at home. And so instead wow. you sought it out from guys, you sought your worth and validation from men. And I was like, oh, Okay. And so it was she kind knows. of just, she knows. And so that was a relearning. I was like, oh my God. And so it's just been, I mean, spirituality has just been me relearning who I am because for so long I've been this girl walking around with a mask on thinking I was something else. And so, yeah, I mean, I was this crazy pot smoking and blacking out sorority girl and slowly but surely now I mean I've been sober for almost one year I we were talking about this earlier I haven't dated anyone I mean my last boyfriend was from 2017 it all just started making me realize like I was in such low self-worth and as I dive deeper into my spiritual practice I realized all of those acts of you know hooking up with random people getting blackout drunk to be social, to have these conversations was a self-abandoning, you know, like it was just me not feeling worthy enough and feeling like I needed to put on an alcohol mask, a sexuality mask, whatever it was 
to feel worthy. And so spirituality, mindfulness, meditation, Buddhism, all of these things really started making me realize all of these emotions and difficulties that were there that I wasn't tending to. And so now for all of these years, I've been tending to these, these tender parts of my heart, these wounds. And oh my Mm -hmm. gosh, my worth has been rising and rising. And that's why I feel like, you know, yeah, I haven't met, I mean, I'm starting to now, but before I was like, no one is on my level as far as dating. Like I don't fuck with this. And so, Mm -hmm. and even alcohol too, I was like, you know what? It actually wasn't intentional. I went on my third silent retreat. And then after I did a cleanse, which required a month of not drinking, and I was like, you know, let's just keep going. And so finally, I'm like walking the walk. I was talking the talk, but I wasn't walking the walk fully because I was still numbing, escaping. Alcohol was an escapism. And so now I'm just present for it all. Those moments, and I do notice it when I go out still in these social settings where everyone else is drunk except me. It's like, you almost feel this need, well, to make it bearable, I need a beer or something. But it's like, well, what really is that? Why do I need that? Why do I feel uncomfortable? And then you start you know, kind of reflecting and you realize, oh, it's because I, I feel insecure in this moment or I feel a little bit unworthy. Why is that? Let me sit with that. Let me work with that. And so it's been a beautiful, beautiful process. And it's not to say that I'm going to be sober forever. I want to make it the year. Um, but, you know, I travel to Europe and I'm in Italy and I'm having a wonderful steak. I'm going to have a glass of red wine, you know, but just in this moment for now, where I am, this is what feels in alignment. And so I'm not here to preach sobriety on anyone. I'm not here to preach not dating on anyone. But what I'm here to say is that, you know, you just got to tune into what feels in alignment with your highest good in that moment. And so for me in that, that moment, in this moment, it's, it's sobriety and being selective AF with who I'm dating and giving my time and energy to. And so it feels really good. And I think that that's why all of the career things have been flowing effortlessly to me because I'm finally fully in my worth. I'm getting there. And I love Lacey Phillips. She's another person you guys should look up as far as manifestation because the law of attraction has been around for years. But Lacey Phillips always talks about how essentially what the law is here to do is you will manifest all that you desire when you fully subconsciously feel worthy and so of course we can't control the subconscious subconscious that's why meditation is a very helpful tool we can start to get familiar with it but we become aware of our subconscious like oh my gosh you know i needed to drink in those moments because i i didn't feel unworthy interesting let me meditate let me work on it so slowly but surely without even realizing putting in the work things began to manifest more effortlessly that's that's beautiful and and you took us on a you know a lot right there a long journey through your life and first off i just want to say you know thank you for for being so vulnerable about your mom's passing you know it's it's never easy to speak about that and you know i just want to thank you for for doing that and obviously she's looking down on you so happy for for your growth and where you're at today but yeah I think the, and you too the, yeah yeah definitely you know I, my dad passed uh a year and a half ago. So I, I know that it's, it's super tough. And I remember you reaching out to, and, and just, you know, letting me know that your, your mom and like your parent, you lost your parent at a very young age and just how tough it is. And, yeah. um, you know, I'm grateful that, that you reached out and it's definitely tough. And I think that, you know, for both of us, it sounds like, you know, your mom's death and my dad's passing as well was, was really like the beginning of an awakening. Cause it really puts things it in perspective. 
It does. I mean, one of the, the main Buddhist contemplations is death. It's the one thing that we all have to do. And we live happier lives once we realize that, that death is inevitable. You know, like we, there's this Buddhist book. I remember my friend bought it on our silent retreat. And it was like talking about how, imagine these aliens looking down on earth and it's all these little figures running around collecting money and putting it in this building and then running around and collecting this money, putting it in this building, running around. And one of the aliens asked the other alien, what are they why are they doing this? Why are they, what, what's the whole point of it? And they just kind of laughed. And, you know, it's like, it's a, it's a conversation in Buddhism. It's like, we must, that's why monks have no possessions. These, I mean, it's not to say that we should all be monks. I like luxury. I like making money. I like traveling. I like having nice things. But yeah. to kind of remember that at the end of the day, life is short. Tomorrow isn't promised. And so, like, if you want to go on that trip or if you want to send that text to that person you like or if you want to go out on a limb and apply for that job that your parents don't support you, but just fucking do it because yeah, tomorrow isn't promised. And my parents always, I mean, my dad tells me this all of the time. They didn't want to adopt kids or my mom did, but my dad didn't. And they adopted me. My dad was 54. My mom was 18 years younger than that. They kind of did it in reverse. Their whole plan was to not have kids. So they blew their retirement, they traveled the world. And my dad says, you know, thank God they did because my dad said, what good would have retirement done with just me and having not had seen the world with your mother. And so the world I'm learning works in very mysterious and beautiful ways. And that that has been a lesson that has stuck with me. So, you know, to have that does. kind of, kind of have that discernment. Cause I, I too, living in Los Angeles, it's a very, awesome place for entrepreneurs and to make money like and i love it but also am i fully living my life and that's where that contemplation of death comes in i have this app that was started by a monk called we croak and it reminds you it sounds morbid but once you understand like the beauty and truth of death it reminds me four times a day that i'm going to die with an inspirational quote and it kind of puts it in perspective like when i'm tripping out about if this person hasn't texted me back or i'm tripping out about things it reminds me, oh, you know, I'm lucky to be alive right now. I have my health and yeah, I'm going to die. Okay, better make sure I'm living. And so Thich Nhat Hanh, he always says, you know, us Westerners, we're really good at preparing to live, but not very good at living. And that has always stuck with me. I want to be good at living. Yeah, that's super powerful. And it's something that I think about daily is I contemplate my own death, you know, because it's like we're told these we're told these dreams, it's like, you know, graduate, go to college, graduate college, get a job, you're going to hate it, but work 40 years and build a retirement and then get married. And then when you're 70, you can travel. But it's like, I think the one thing about, you know, COVID is it, it puts it into perspective that like life is fragile and it's not always promised. And I think a lot of people, exactly. our age, you know, we, we definitely think that we're going to live till 80, 90, a hundred years old and we can put it off. But it's like, we, we really don't know how long we're going to live. And there's so many external factors that like today could be the last day. Tomorrow could be the last day. Mm -hmm. And it's really important to contemplate our, our own deaths and do what we want to do today and do it with the people that we want to do it with. Exactly. I think, I forget which student of mine, she was in her seventies, but she said, travel while you're young. She goes, I have all this retirement time now. And these me's like, they can't hike up Machu Picchu. So but it's like, it's true. See the world do it while you can. Like even my yeah. dad, if he had his retirement, not like he would be traveling everywhere at 84, hiking, doing all the things. So for me, it's, it's finding that balance, make a little money, do a little living and traveling. <laughs> and yes, really though, finally, I, 
yeah, I've manifested it into one career where I can now travel and make money as my profession while creating my own piece and sharing that with others. So slowly but surely, and, they've all blended into one, which is the goal for me. <laughs> yeah, and a, and a lot of people listening, it's like, you don't have to be a meditation teacher to do this. You know, it's like, no. find something that you're passionate about and use the platform, the internet, to build a business like Larage is doing, like I'm doing, you know, whether it's fitness, whether it's weaving, you know, whatever you want to do, like you can use YouTube, you can use Instagram, you can use this platform and build a business. It sounds scary. You can build a business and you can travel and see different places while making money. You know, I feel like the world's changing exactly. in a way that we can leverage the internet to really do what we want to do. And that's something that you're doing. And, you know, I, I really think you're doing amazing things and it's going to take off. So I think, you know, anybody that's listening, it's like, we're not special. Larage is not that special. I'm not that special. You know, it's like, we're Anyone just using do what we want to do. Anyone can do it. Yeah. And hopefully this gives you the courage and, and you see Larage's success and, and you can do it too. Yeah. I mean, do what you love and the money will follow. I fully believe yes. that. I, I definitely do too. And one thing that you talked about as well, and, and I know it's something that I've, you know, definitely contemplated a lot in my early twenties, but it's the sobriety thing. And I want to kind of go back to that because I mean, I'm sure anybody that's listening has woken up in the morning after a night of partying, uh, you know, blacking out, whatever you want to call it. And they're like, I am never drinking again. And I've probably said that like 10 or 15 times, right? Like it's, <laughs> it's crazy. So you, I'm sure you've had those experiences as well. And it's like, just, I'm just oh, curious, yeah. you know, what are, what are some of the benefits of being sober and, and not drinking? Well, so for me, less anxiety. I mean, I always say, you know, meditation didn't heal the anxiety. It just like taught me to meet those moments. And holy shit, when I was drinking, I would wake up the next morning and be like, I said what? I did what? And so that's gone. There's no more of that. Everything, every action that I do, even if it's good or bad, every word that I say, even if it's good or bad, I'm aware of it. You know, <laughs> it wasn't something that I, I won't remember. Also. I don't know, my skin, I've already I've had pretty good skin, but it's also cleared that up. I feel like I have more energy. I just feel fully present to everything. Um, and it's interesting because when I went to Bali, especially in Abud, everyone's sober. I mean, they're so spiritual there, but no one drinks. We're literally drinking like plain fuel. <laughs> it's interesting wow. because of course, you know, our society again, doesn't ban literal poison that we ourselves. It, but it bans whatever other things. But yeah, you know, I just feel really healthy and fully awake. I'm living life awake. I don't regret things that I say. I'm here. I'm present for it all. And that's that's been a big perk. And also just meeting other people. Like, not to say like that. You know, I only hang out with sober people. I don't, and I do. I miss the taste of an IPA and a glass of red wine. But for me, like the benefits of sobriety in this current moment outweigh the fun numbness, I guess, that alcohol was giving me. And so try it out. It's hard in the beginning, but every person that I talk to that is on, like I'm meeting more and more people every day that are sober or are sober for a little bit and feel great or a long time and feel great. Or even people that just, take breaks now and then you know i love it definitely yeah and, and actually i don't know if you know this but i'm doing a uh, a fitness challenge it's called the 75 hard challenge and one of the challenges in it is 
no alcohol. So I'm actually on day 24 and it's like, Hell it's a yeah. very freeing uh, experience, you know, like knowing that you're not going to drink and, and wake up and, and have those regrets and texts of whether like, what did I, what did I text this person or yeah. you know, what did I put on my Instagram? And the thing that I realized is, you know, I've went to some, you know, social gatherings and dinners where I would have casually had a beer or two. And mm -hmm. the thing is, is like, I went now and I didn't have a drink. And I think something yeah. that I realized was like, hey, like I was still Jay Gagan. Like I could still conversate and make people laugh. And, you know, I didn't die. You know, I think before yeah. it was like, if I go to a party and I don't have a drink, like how am I going to talk to girls and socialize and what's going to happen? But like, the thing is, is like, try it out. Like you're not going to die and you can still be yourself and you can still make jokes. And really you exactly. can still have a good time without having any regret. Exactly. I know. I'm still me. And you know what? It is. It's not easy. And it wasn't easy in the beginning when I first started being sober. And I remember I went to my friend's boyfriend's birthday. So that's like especially a situation where I was like, okay, this would be a great time to have a beer talking to strangers. But it does. It kind of makes you realize, ooh, I feel a little insecure in this moment. Interesting. Yeah. And so you really get to know yourself and heal parts of yourself you didn't even realize you had to work on, you know? So. That's been a benefit, and not to mention you save a shitload of money. You know, no, no alcohol, and no, so much no, money, no Ubers. Yeah, it's been great. Yeah, and that was a, a really good time to do it um, for anybody that's interested or or had thoughts, because I know a lot of my friends and a lot of people out there. You all have these thoughts, and it's like, just try it. You know, like Larissa said, you'll you'll save money, your skin will be glowing, and and there's no regret. And I think the most important thing is like you're not gonna die. So. Give it yeah, a, and give you'll it a be shot. Happier. Exactly. And present, you know, in all your decisions and all your actions. So I'm I'm really glad that we were able to touch on that. And you know, something else that's super special about you, right? You're you're a meditation coach and people think of meditating as, you know, sitting there cross-legged, uh, not thinking anything, but you're also a boxing fanatic. And I know a lot of people yes. think that those things <laughs> don't really go hand in hand. I mean, do you mind kind of sharing what you love about boxing and, and how it actually relates to meditation? Yes. So I actually found boxing because of my roommate. She was doing it first for like a year and dragged us all there for her birthday. And I ended up loving it. And I loved it because it's like, well, I didn't realize this till after, but it's a form of moving meditation. And actually now when I meet like really, really, talented martial artists every single one of them has a meditation practice um because it's the same thing it's it's aggressive what is it i heard it referred to as aggressive meditation it's like you're forced to be in the present when you're boxing there's no time to worry about that text you didn't get or that work email because literally if you don't you're gonna get punched so i loved it it's also you feel in alignment all of these teachers all of these teachings that i talk about they're known as the warrior practices because having self-compassion is the hardest thing to do. Most people aren't kind to themselves. The words inside their heads are just so critical and mean. And so turning towards their difficulties and admitting that they're there is true strength. And so mm -hmm. I felt like in my inner world, I was that warrior, but you know, I was like this, I did yoga. I felt like a frail, like frail human <laughs> before. And so after boxing, you know, I feel like, ah, oh, I've got the inner strength and the outer strength and i still do it now it's beautiful i actually met this nike master trainer in bali who said this quote he said it's better to be a warrior in a garden 
than a gardener in a war. And so like having these not only mental and physical skills in you know chaotic society, chaotic society. I mean, imagine not have, being equipped and then walking into the crazy world. It's like, ah, oh, I have these skills, both inner and outer, and the world feels calm versus the other way around where you don't have any of those skills. And it's like, ah, oh, you know, I had this other teacher friend who said, you know, we have a choice. We could either be a victim or a vessel. When we pick, pick the victim, it's like life is happening to us and against us. Or we can realize that we're a vessel and that all these things, even the shitty things, even my mom dying, even all of this stuff, it's like it's all happening through us and for us. It's here to teach us. And once we can kind of shift that perspective, we actually begin to suffer less. One of like the equations that they use in mindfulness, it's like pain times resistance equals suffering. Pain times love equals transformation. Pain is inevitable. It's inevitable. And so what can we do then to suffer well, as Thich Han would say? What can we do to suffer well? And so understanding we can't avoid the difficulties, but having these tools in our toolkit, having all of these skills in our arsenal to whip out when life gets tough. And so for me, it's not for everyone, but for me, it's been boxing and meditation where I have truly felt like that warrior in the garden. Wow, that's incredible. And you know, it, it kind of ties back into what we were talking about earlier with trust, you know, like there, there are going to be difficult, difficult things. I mean, you and I are both pretty young and we both lost a parent, which is a really, really mm -hmm. tough loss, but we both use it as a lesson and kind of to evolve ourselves rather to play the, the why me cards. And, you know, I think mm -hmm. that's, that's super powerful that like everything that happens in your life is meant to happen. And, you know, ultimately you can decide how to, to deal with it and to handle it. And, you know, Larasia, you know, you're, you're choosing boxing, but you can choose really any method. And I think that any sort of movement is beneficial for you. So like for myself, you know, I run, I bike, I swim, I train for triathletes, you know, I, I do weightlifting, things like that. And whether mm -hmm. it's meditation and boxing or meditation and, and weightlifting, you know, it's like, these are all things that you can use, like you said, to make your toolkit, you know, a little bit uh, stealthier and stronger because life does throw some things at you that you're going to need to be strong for. Exactly. Beautifully said, Jake. <laughs> Thank you. I learned it from a great meditation coach uh, in Los Angeles. <laughs> and uh, I think this was beautiful. I, I really just wanted to get you on because, you know, I, I really admire you as a person. You know, you've helped me along my journey here and and uh, a lot of my friends. So I just wanted, you know, to, to host a platform for you to share your story. And I think, you know, everything that's going on in your life right now is just so amazing. And it's it's not by chance. You know, these are things that you've worked on through years. And like you share your story about how you were partying and taking bong hits in college to where you're at now. Yeah. And ultimately <laughs> the hardest time of your life, which could have been right, like the the right. your job, you know, the den, you can't teach at the den and all these things. But you've turned this crisis into opportunity. And that's something that I applaud you for. And, you know, for the SIT Society, if anybody's interested in the SIT Society, I'll put a link below and, you know, just the the Spotify deal and the book deal. And I'm, I'm just so happy for you and grateful that you came on the show today. Uh, thank you for having me, Jake. It's been a pleasure. Of course. And I always ask my guests, you know, just because we are in these circumstances and these tough times, if you have a message of, of positivity that you can share for anybody that's struggling right now um, or a message of in inspiration of hope, I always just ask my guests to share something uh, with the following and the listeners that are listening today. Ha! Huh. Follow it feels good.
follow your joy. Beautiful. Simple. <laughs> Simple. I love it. Life yeah, short, man. Do what feels good. Do what you love and, and do what feels good. That's beautiful. And so for anybody that's listening, where can they find you on social media, your Instagram? Obviously, we have the SIT Society and your website, LaRaysiaMattingly.com. But where can they follow you on uh, Instagram or any other platform? It's my name, at Laurasia Mattingly. Perfect. For Instagram. Yeah, go yep, check her yep. out. She's got some great content, great videos. And obviously, go check out the SIT Society as well. Um, and yeah, Laurasia, thank you so much. I'm wishing you, you know, continued success and excited to hear the, you know, Spotify album when it comes out this week. And also yeah. looking forward to the, the title of the book, book. feeling the book coming out in December. Yes, December 22nd. December 22nd. Everybody put that on your calendar. Thanks so much, Laurasia. <laughs> You're welcome. Have a good one. What is up, everybody? And thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Elevated Movement Podcast. We hope that this episode that you just listened to can add some value to your life in some way, shape, or form. And if you did enjoy this episode, we kindly ask that you can subscribe, leave a review, and share this podcast with your friends. I'd also love to hear your feedback on social media as well. You can find me on Instagram at Elevated Movement. That's Elevated MVMT. Thank you so much and stay tuned for the next episode of the Elevated Movement Podcast.